Welcome to Galaxy Brains. The weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. So many nodes running on my comp that its knees hurt. I'm rolling steady downloading blocks for days. I'll be writing raps and ciphers even if encryption fades. Yo, there's more to this game than a couple JPEGs. I will never settle like a couple broken trade legs. If you've seen my talks, no, you couldn't set us back. Till you've seen Guy Fox, you ain't ever met a mask. Never better than a rap just to set a little fire. The way the words flow are like the data through a wire. Or the way the birds fly high above the canopy. Tim Grant is here to talk he's a member of the family and i'm the man to beat when it comes to randomly snapping y'all hands will be clapping when intangibles rapping my fans will be mapping the land and shouting our names there's never been a show like galaxy brains get galaxy brains as always i'm your host alex thorne head of firmwide research at galaxy digital we have a great show today thank you for listening tim grant head of europe middle east and africa at galaxy digital is our guest we're going to talk to him about what's happening around the world in crypto it's a great conversation but before we get to all that i need to tell you to please refer to the link to the disclaimer on the podcast notes and note that none of the information in this podcast constitutes investment advice a recommendation offer or solicitation by galaxy digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities Dang, yo, this beat. I'm feeling this beat, all right? I know it's going to be a good show because this beat is fire. Let's get right into it. Let's go now to my friend Tim Grant, head of Europe, Middle East, and Africa, uh, EMEA. EMEA. Um, At Galaxy. Great to have you in person, Tim. It's cracking to be back. You you live in London. I live in London. We have an office in London, which you you oversee or or look after. Um, But you're in New York. I'm in New York. I love coming back. I lived here for 19 years, and so what it feels is this, like home. What is this hat? I have not seen this, this particular this, this piece of Galaxy the, swag. You know what? It's funny. That I, I put a picture of me wearing this on LinkedIn, and it was the single biggest number of like <laughs> views of 2022. 35,000 people <laughs> like viewed that particular picture I was in Singapore. This is the limited edition Galaxy trucker hat. And it has the various... Um, what we call the helmets, which is Galaxy's logo, is the, the space helmet, and it has all the different NFT, not all of them, but. I designed know. this myself. It's pretty sick, dude. I made this myself. Okay, very so hard to get. I'm very happy to have you um, in general because you're fun to have on this show. Listeners will know that Tim's been on, I think, twice prior. This is number three. Um, but a lot has been happening in Europe. Um, maybe, let, let's start with a little bit about what is happening. Um, I have some other questions to ask you. You've been in digital assets for a long time. You you worked at the Six uh, Digital Exchange, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, or SDX, is that SDX, what it was? SDX, yeah. Um, and, and one of their big goals was tokenization, and you've still been working a lot on this. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that mm-hmm. and some other things. But before, let's talk about Europe. Yes. One of the things that I saw, and I haven't had the chance to really dig, dig into, is new guidance regulatory framework from the UK. What so, was it? You know, so we've been we've been waiting for this for a while. Like if you if just to give a little bit of a timeline, last April, I believe it was April 2022, was the 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 statement made by the Treasury at the time that we want to become a global crypto hub, and that was at the time like wow, that's a big pivot from at best ambivalence to maybe if you look at the FCA, a little bit of misguided negativity, uh, and now here we are like what's the follow through on that? And so they've followed through. And so the, the, the way this went, and we remember we've got regime shift over there. So we got Rishi Sunak right. in, in power, which is great because he was really at the helm at the beginning of all of this. And so he's very pro crypto and this, this crypto he, hub story. He was at Treasury. He was at Treasury. He was the, uh, he, he was the, he, he chancellor, was the chancellor of the, at the time. Exchequer. Chancellor of the Exchequer. Which is like the head of the Treasury. It's which like, is the Treasury. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, 
so what's happened so and then we had the financial services and markets bill which kind of came towards the tail end of the year and what that teased was the idea which is really quite straightforward is well instead of doing a mika and the, the european play which is let's create an entirely adjacent uh custom built regulation set for crypto they're saying well why would we do that we've got a really good regulation set for traditional assets let's just bring it in now how you do it and and what that implies is really important but what's really exciting now after this and there's actually been a lot coming out in the uk the last couple of weeks is they've really now come out with these cons the, the results of these consultations and the specificity is really encouraging they're basically saying right let's bring it in we they're, they're reiterating which is important so the the message is consistent from from the treasury uh, and to some extent from the from the fca and there's a lot of discussion by the way in the uk about the influence of politicians on the fca that's a live discussion but what this i think signals is actually a, a very um, sensible approach to bringing this all into the, the regulatory perimeter so the implication of that is that effectively if you want to be where up until now you really had no certainty if you want to do crypto asset business yes there's a crypto asset register for aml that will go away you just go and get registered like you would do anything else now there's some open questions but it does cover custody which is really key like they've they've thought about this stuff it's all very logical uh it also covers people and this is quite important subtlety people who want to do business with people in the UK from outside the UK. So it, it, it's very encouraging to, to see that level of specificity and detail. It's very encouraging to hear the consistent refrain of we're going to make this work. And also there's this element of the definition of an asset, which I teased, I think, on the last time I was on, which is to define a digital asset in a way that actually makes sense that there isn't a definition of one in the uk but the law commission which is quite a powerful sort of body in the uk has been talking about this for a while and and we actually we talked about it with the treasury directly um they're getting to a point of, of making this definition of an what they call an asset in motion um and a digital asset versus a a a, a debt type instrument like it's coming to fruition mm -hmm. so what does this all mean in terms of people doing crypto business in the UK, I think it, it, your level of certainty and clarity and the direction is now much higher than it was a couple of weeks ago. And we're already seeing, which is interesting, some 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 immediate reactions. Got it. So it's at the very net, net positive in the UK. I love that. And, um, it, you know, it's super interesting when you when you say that they are going to instead of working through a bespoke framework for crypto and for digital assets like Micah did, yep. did like some of the comprehensive regulatory mm -hmm. proposals that have been made in the US. So like Lumbus Gillibrand or yep. um, Stabenow Bozeman, um, Boozman, um, th there's sort of these two ideas, right? Like mm -hmm. does d crypto need its own regulatory framework or can it fit inside the existing yeah. one? Um, and when I hear you say that they're putting bringing to the existing one, I as an American get nervous because that yes. is what, um, that's primarily like say what Gary Gensler at the SEC has said. He said 99.9% .9 of these are securities. We have robust securities laws, bring it all into the securities framework. Um, but then the SEC hasn't yet done the work to actually make that feasible from a practical standpoint. Yeah. Were that even true, which I don't think it is true on, on how many of them are securities. But for example, the custody rule at the SEC hasn't been updated to no handle details. crypto. 
Um, Reg ATS hasn't really been updated or thought about about how where these could trade. Were they securities, right? Uh, FINRA hasn't rule made about broker-dealer activity in crypto securities, right? So, like, bringing it into the framework, you know, I'm doing air quotes for those that are listening and not watching on YouTube, um, has it could be very negative. It could be negative. Um, but you're saying they've thought through all those particulars. It, it feels like it's not an aggressive, like, that's an aggressive stance, as we all know, in the U.S., and it's, you know, we, 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 the general view is not a good one. This feels like the opposite. This feels like it's a, it's a, it's a benign, positive constructive way to bring it in without creating more barriers to entry very interesting uh, which i think is a net positive now there, there are a couple of things to iron out um the DeFi question still isn't resolved but that that's understandable you know baby steps um things like clearing and settlement minting staking they've all got a little bit of yeah work to do but but the general signal i think to the market that Hey, implicitly, it's saying that, that we, we, we believe in this as an asset class. And they're and not taking a hostile stance. They, it's not hostile. You're pretty confident that what issues there are are going to be worked out yeah. uh, or attempted to be worked out in good faith. It, it feels that way. And look, we, t we talk with the FCA. And our conversations, frankly, with the FCA have been very constructive. They're, they're very open. They, they, they have a genuine two-way dialogue. Um, and the, the, the last point on the UK to make is, uh, which brings, actually brings the FCA into play, is this UK ETF question. So if you look at the global landscape, the two big holdouts are the UK and the US. Which are what? The, I mean, uh, the biggest first and, and second, among the biggest capital markets in the world. But it's, I think they're the first and second yeah. biggest ETF markets on the planet. Yeah. And they're the two that are holdouts. Right. I think what we might see in the coming months is, and it would take a very small rule tweak by the FCA to allow this, and maybe it's it's you know London Stock Exchange getting involved, which would be great. We start maybe they beat the U.S. to the ETF. The flow goes there, which would be natural. Um, it's not like Canada or Brazil or Germany or Switzerland where there are ETFs, mm -hmm. and we we run some of those in Canada and Brazil. Uh, that, that that that's still not going to attract a certain buyer base, right? You really need it to be in the grown-up U.S. or U.K. The big capital markets. Let's see that. Really. Let's watch out for that this year. Okay. Um, before we move on to some in other in topics, what else in European developments, and not just in regulatory? I, I I don't know if you want to talk about MICA. We've written about this plenty, so if we don't want to talk about it, we know it's in progress. That is the sort of bespoke European crypto regulatory framework. Yes. It's progressing i don't know if we have to spend a lot of time on it but no quick two cents on that look it is progressing uh it, it's it's rather comically stuck in uh translation because then you translate literally. into like the 24 or 27 languages or whatever it is <laughs> so they're all they're like they literally it's, delayed it's been it for three like months. passed by the european commission right it, it so it's been it's it, it's got a whole set of steps it needs to go through yeah. my understanding is what happens next around april time is this all the translations come through it passes into this sort of register and then the hard work begins of actually drafting the very specific rules. It's so funny, dude. There's nothing. I've looked into bureaucracy. like European, uh, Europe-wide, Eurozone, like legislative process. And like it's harder to figure out than nice. like it, it almost it's like I'm reading it in different language. It makes you actually very bullish on things in the U.S. like Congress.gov and C-SPAN, yes. which actually make it very easy to figure out what the current state of a legislation is in the U.S., um, but yes, it's progressing. It's progressing. And look, I think that the, the current betting is maybe 2024, probably more likely 2025. But that's that's a short enough time horizon. And the progress is sufficiently clear in how it will progress, even if it's a bit bureaucratic. Yeah. 
um, that that I think it's also a net positive for, for Europe. Like businesses no... can start to plan for it, and exactly, and 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 that's and people are, and and we are. You know, like you, you if it's that type of time horizon, you should be planning your post Mika cross European ability to do business. Right, that's going to change the complexion and landscape in a very positive way. So I think that the, the net story for Europe, uh, you know, UK and Europe and Switzerland is. It's still positive. The the adoption story still is still on course. FTX didn't really seem to have a massive effect on that from what we tell with the institutions. This sort of legislation and this sort of clarity basically gives everybody confidence to steam on. That's great. Um, okay, maybe just in Europe, Middle East, uh, Africa, uh, in Asia. Let's talk about Middle East a bit. Yeah, um, what's uh, interesting it, to you it, in these regions? Well, firstly, you know, what's, what's interesting is that I think everybody's realized now, like the the view of the Middle East has to change a little bit. It always had this view of like, well, when the oil prices was high, they had a lot of money and people would just fly in and fly out and go and ask for loads of money. And sure enough, you know, back in 2008 at the last, at that financial crisis, they did bail out and they did invest in a bunch of banks and stuff like that. They were seen as a less sophisticated at the time. I think what what's now happened is yes, they're flush with cash again. And it's, this is material amount of cash that they've got from the from the oil prices Makes and sense. we're talking like Saudi for years Abu I mean, Dhabi yeah. you know they they have very full coffers but they they're no longer the less sophisticated or viewed as less sophisticated these these guys are very sophisticated and they're, and they're the very diversified much more diversified than very, they've been in the past than, and more than people think you yeah. know they're genuinely thinking about the post oil situation for their economies they're yeah. very digitally forward Saudi there's some statistic I believe that they're the youngest sort of most computer literate yeah. most on online I've seen that and also um, the they, they have this fat what's that thing the wall the wall city have you seen that thing the line uh, the line yeah yo it's sick I it's, hope they do build it. Um, well, it's can, kind of ridiculous, but it's also like ambitious well, in a beautiful way. People about certain things in Dubai, and you go to Dubai now, which I'm going to be there on Friday, and it, they built it, yeah. and it all functions. It got and built. the Palm got built, and everybody's living on the Palm. I remember, yeah, the, palm, the palm Islands, like, and that there's one that looks like the globe. No, but they actually did it. They um, built all these things. It's pretty, so, it's pretty sick. It's really cool. So so that's the first thing. Like, do, don't, don't see them as that old sort of dynamic. Like, these, this is a very smart uh, economy over there, and they have lots of money, and they are extremely pro- and open arms on and, and being sensible about crypto and digital assets. So there's yeah. obviously a huge community down there and it's growing. The Dubai regime, the VARA regime, which has just been taken over by our, our company friend Henson Orsa, um, he you know, he's just announced yesterday that he's gonna quadruple his staff. So they're taking it deadly seriously. Abu yeah. Dhabi which is like, you know, I think it's the second or third biggest sovereign wealth fund in the world. So make no mistake, there's a lot of firepower there. They're leaning in. Some of the biggest hedge funds in the in the world have ended up there. Some of the the, the big crypto yeah. companies have ended up there. We'll be we'll be down there as well. So that there's, I think that's one to watch over the next few years because they have the influence now globally. Yeah, they will invest. In I was I, I was going to say too, just geopolitically. Um, you know, there's been a whole bunch of I, this. I don't want to. You know, this isn't Galaxy's view, but my view on the history of geopolitics and and the East West battle, which has played out multiple ways in the Middle East for years. I mean, obviously, you had the Soviets invaded Afghanistan. By the way, then the Americans invaded Afghanistan. So there's mm -hmm. there's parts that have been sort of um, up for grabs geopolitically yeah. by the major powers. Um, Saudi has long been a U.S. ally, but also like has become more independent lately. There's been some there. They've done a great job and in, in, in the Middle East, particularly in the uh, peninsula. Mm hmm. 
really it becoming almost like a neutral, a pretty neutral globally yeah. does business with everyone, right? I mean, to in some cases to the chagrin of like their U.S. allies or their Russian allies, right? right? They do business with maybe both. Um, but it makes a lot of sense, I think, for there to be a lot of global crypto activity there, given that crypto itself is global and decentralized and yeah. Um, you know, non-sovereign. Well, and they and they believe it. What's really exciting for us in the crypto industry is they believe in where it's going and their positioning for that. They've got huge mining outfits in Abu Dhabi, yeah. so they 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 fundamentally from from the top down believe in where this is all going. They want to position themselves to have a large literate workforce. They want to you know people talk about living in Abu Dhabi in very different terms than they did ten years ago. It's a great place to live for families. Um, so like th th that, th let, let's let's assume that that's going to take a bigger role than people would think right. in the next sort of decade or so. And they have remember large pools of assets. When we talk about tokenization in a minute, that matters. Like they're going to be in a very strong position to tokenize large amounts of stuff. Yeah, and let, let's go into that because um, we've talked about tokenization. You and I both offline. I think we've talked about it on this podcast before too. Yes. Um, just to I guess catch our viewers up if you haven't heard me talk about this, I. Um, have been very interested in tokenization for a long time, but I've yet to see a real durable yeah. use case actually emerge really outside of stable coins, which yep. you know is tokenization. Um, tons of proofs of concept that are interesting. Banks have done it, international banks, brokerages have done something, JPM did something, SockGen's done something, right? Yep. People have done stuff. Uh, but nothing's really caught on outside of like stable coins on public blockchains. Where where do you do, is that still true? And also, where do you see the space going? Yeah, you know, look, tokenization is a it's a fascinating uh, debate, and it's a fascinating movement. And that that I've kind of had to I've been on my own journey with it because I've been talking about and dealing with tokenizing for like seven eight years right. now. And I and I did you know run uh, hello to all my former colleagues at SDX. So I ran SDX, which uh, that was one of the big. Um, I, I think they were also doing pure cryptos, but that was yeah. one of the big arguments for SDX. I mean, I yeah. met I met the folks there. I I think I don't think I met you, but you were there. Mm. Uh, I was in uh, Zurich and met a bunch of people at Six, yeah. like in 2019. Talking about this exact topic. Yeah, and that, right? that, that the assumption was that we'd be tokenizing all bonds, and of course, the truth is, and this is your point. You know, look, look through all this time. Where have we actually gotten? Yeah, are we actually tokenizing bonds, equities, funds, the hundreds of trillions of of capital markets assets? That that's that that's the exciting prize. Can we take the best tools that DeFi can and and and, and blockchain can give us and apply them right. for a better, faster, cheaper way of doing all these things. Because I think there there are clear arguments if we set aside. Totally. Yeah, if we set aside some of the intricacies, which are important, you can't set aside. It's probably why they're, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But for example, just purely settlement. Like we know. Not that alone. I mean, look at stable coins. Moving a dollar with a stable coin is like just orders of magnitude better than basically all existing hodgepodge of fiat payment rails. And that's the key, right? Like th this is about... This is about collateralization. It's about settlement. It's about repo. Like these are the things in the background that make global capital markets function. And so, what what I think, and I remember, I think I talked about this the first time I, I was on. I called that we should be paying attention to this. And sure enough, the back half of 2022, to your point, every man and their dog, BlackRock, State Street, Wisdom Tree. UBS, JP Morgan, the list is long of HSBC. Right, like did a of, bunch of these. things they've done, right? Yeah. You know, UBS did a 385 million Swiss franc bond with SDX as an example, like not small, but the point is now 
I think the collective consciousness has reached a critical moment where every there, there is no big in financial institution, buy side or sell side, who doesn't believe that this is where it's going. Yeah, public statements made by the biggest CEOs in 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 this space. Even Jamie Dimon, uh, who yeah. I talked, uh, you know, I had to give some a some, rebuke. A rebuke. I thank you. Yes. I did. A, I did a hearty rebuke of his. Anti-Bitcoin yeah. comments, but Shoddy of course, comments. even in that clip we played said two weeks ago, he said, oh, we're actually doing tons of stuff yeah. in blockchain. He mentioned their repo it. stuff. He said intraday repo, yeah. which apparently you can't actually do. Which is a big deal. But right? you can with blockchain. They're, leg they're legitimately doing yeah. that stuff now. And, you know, remember they did the the, the Project Guardian in Singapore where they, they actually did some really interesting I saw that. Um, DeFi activity. They were like tokenizing um, like dollar deposits uh, on like a permissioned version of Aave. Yeah. And like lending against it, right? Right, and and that's impressive to see them doing that. But the big question is, where do we go from here? Uh, I think what we're about to see, and this is the part that most people, even in our industry, don't understand. In the background, all of these big institutions have been building pieces of the repo, tokenizing repo, settlement, uh, margin capabilities, uh, tokenized money in terms of finality, which we won't go into today, which is really interesting, zero zero risk-weighted asset, which is a sort of pseudo-CBDC, but not quite, working with the central banks. Like These things are actually now going to start to come together into a functioning market. And I, what I'm terming the minimum viable digital capital market is really upon us. So my prediction for 2023 is we get to the end and we're actually, we're actually talking about the opening up of these markets, albeit slowly, but make no mistake, there's a lot of money going into this and a lot of attention. Yeah, fascinating. Um, what other you were talking? You mentioned talking about structured products to me before. Uh, yeah. What do you want to tell us about that? Because um, first of all, like, I mean, <laughs> what is a structured product, quote unquote, See, separately? I think this is really important. I think hopefully this would be interesting for for all of our viewers and listeners. So, structure in, in any functioning market asset class. Over time, what you get is you know this, you get the spot. Then you get the derivatives market, which ends up being multiples of size of the spot market. And the the, the vast uh, wealth in the world, which is you know high net worth, so all the UBS wealth management, which is something like three trillion, I think. Really? Um, yeah, oh it's my bananas. Gosh. And like all the trillions that are being managed by these yeah. large houses, Bank of America, White House, and, and, and Morgan Stanley, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they're all managing the, 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 these assets. And one of the biggest markets for individuals to get exposure to these asset classes is through structured products. It's basically, I buy something, it's a bankable security, it's got an ISIN on it. Mm -hmm. I put it in my, in my in my portfolio, flows through all the systems, but it gives me a payoff. And maybe I want a juiced up payoff. Maybe I want capital protection. Um, maybe I want some leverage embedded in there. Maybe, you know, you can get really exotic on how it's you build It's literally like things. a, I don't want to say that, I'm going to say token, but it's basically a, 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 a piece of paper an agreement with an yeah. issuer, yeah. but that could with be, oh, structure. this is a Bitcoin 2X note, yeah. or it's a, it could be whatever it wants, exactly. right? It could be part, part loan, part equity, part derivative. It, all, all kinds of You just simplify it. And then you buy it. Like, and, I could do that trade as a buyer of the note myself, but gosh, like, let's say the thing is like, you know, 2X long Bitcoin, 2X short gold. Yeah, and it's all Then I have to, up. like, figure out how to actually put that trade on myself. Better if I could just buy a structured product. I just, I just go to my UBS wealth management advisor. They Here's the thing options, I want. Boom. Yeah. Sell it. Now, the, the, why is that so important? Like that is a the, the the derivatives that underlie all those structured products is huge. Now, for the for the big picture, take step back for the big picture story of crypto adoption globally. Yeah. One of the really important frontiers is that those big wealth management networks are going to want to be able to offer that up to their clients. I now see. we know for a fact 
that all of those clients have been asking for this. But the banks have really been uncertain how to how to satisfy. Well, and they this don't demand. have right the big the big traditional banks don't have they the, don't trade it. That yeah, they don't trade it, so they actually can't build it. Exactly. Yeah. So what we're what we're on the cusp of, and and here at Galaxy, we're working really hard on this is is actually creating that link, because we are probably the biggest uh, derivatives you know market maker in in the world in, in in crypto. And you had Jason on recently. You know, Jason runs that group. Yeah, when he's not trading his rail cars and, and when he's not doing his futures. cattle cars and all this stuff that he does. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know the, the the positioning to allow those that crypto risk to be wrapped and distributed. Now Love that this is this is, and we're not the only game in town by any stretch. But but I'm highlighting it because this is like we'll look back on this as another moment, and especially as we're coming through, you know this this macroeconomic situation. At some point, we're going to feel like we're off we're off to the races of again. And we saw in January always happens as soon as you get some positive price action the demand for these things goes up oh yeah. i want i want a piece of that action so i think this is really interesting for the audience to know that and and, and what you're predicting here is that there is a major mostly untapped market for a new product in crypto right that's been demanded and and, and partially untapped but most of those people went and got some some they figured exposure out somewhere yeah but when that becomes institutionalized, when when you know we can work with a UBS investment bank and actually be the hedge of the of the derivatives in the back end, and they pack, pack, package it up with a wrapper with their risk in it and give it to their clients, and they do that in size, yeah, and at, at Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, makes it a lot Eto, easier for large numbers of people to get exposure. Then we'll, yeah. we'll see that that flow into the derivatives market. That Love then this. gives us you know another big really kind of step forward. It's cracking stuff. All right. Uh, we, we're almost out of time, but before uh, – this has been fascinating, by the way. Um, but before we wrap here, Tim, I've got to ask you, last time you were on the podcast, I had given you and all members of the British Commonwealth condolences on the passing of Her Majesty the Queen. Um, you've now have formerly Prince Charles. You've got King Charles. He's now been in there for uh, not a whole year, what, six months or something? A few months, yeah. Um, first of all, how's Charles doing in your in your opinion? <laughs> look, I, as as my random emissary from the yeah, you know, United look, Kingdom, it, it's 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 very divisive, right? And yeah. and uh, I don't I, has, I don't think he's been particularly visible. His coronation is in May, so we get a day off, which is exciting. But <laughs> look, I I, it, I think that we were talking about this offline before. You know, Harry has come in. I'm yeah. on, I'm just going to say I'm on Team Harry. You know, I'm also on Team Harry. We'll talk about this. In a second. Yeah, you can you can. I'm I've always been a bit questionable about you know the monarchy in general yeah. but you have to love the queen and, and her her, no just, doubt. I her agree. approach one of the greatest reigns in in sort of monarchy history yeah um but you know post queen elizabeth we've now got uh, a dicey king charles and a messed up family we've got a messed up dynamic we've if i haven't without read the book, her at but, the top it was messed up the whole time but without her as that anchor on top it kind of like pulls the veneer off yeah. the whole thing and you're like wow like actually this whole thing's like pretty messed up it's no it's not uh, you know i wonder if he would have published that book had she still been around probably not i i he think probably not too but one of the things that struck me about harry's book and i've only read about a quarter of it myself but i've certainly read plenty about what's been written about it um, actually, my wife is reading our copy of the book, so as soon as you finish that, babe, I'm going to pick that one up <laughs> um, and, and read the rest of it. Um, you basically have to believe – I mean, there's plenty of pretty shocking allegations that Harry makes, and while some might be overblown, no doubt, or whatever, you, yeah. you basically have to believe Harry's a liar in order to not be very mad about this yeah. institution right now. I, 100%. Uh, I, he can't be making it all up. 
It's just it's he too, says uh, his own dad leaked his emails to the tabloids to spite him in the press. And that's that's <laughs> that's the sort of the the vibe is when you read it and you hear about all this stuff, you, you don't you're not you're not so shocked. You're kind of like, yeah, that all kind of checks out based on one of kind of what we the vibe we've been getting for the last thirty yeah. years. So it's 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 kind of it's kind of harsh, but you know. I, I look. I will. I will s support Harry because what he's really trying to do is promote the idea of being open, being yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. I no question. Some of it might be a little bit overblown. Did he have to take digs at his brother? Even if it's true, right did way? he have to come all the way out and say it? Um, but he's he's had a he's had a uh, you know people think oh my god he's a prince don't feel bad for him you know it's life's been easy well yeah he hasn't been like you know sounds homeless that's pretty horrible but yeah basically it <laughs> sounds awful because the queen what she had set up as this ideal for the monarchy was. Do nothing. Basically, don't yeah. be a person. Yeah. Depersonhood yourself. <laughs> right. Right. For and the good of the from state. From the beginning. Which yeah, was, I mean, truly a sacrifice and an honorable one that she made. Yeah. But it's not clear that that's how it has to be done. Totally. But it was done to them, and they were kids. And, and that was really kids. rough. And so, um, good yeah. luck to Harry and all, and all of that. <laughs> um, and Tim, by the way, yeah. happy birthday. Oh, thank you, my friend. Um, Tim Grant, head of Europe, Middle East, and Africa for Galaxy Digital. Thank you for being in New York today. Great to see you, my friend. Always a pleasure. See you soon, brother. That's it for Galaxy Brains this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our guest, Tim Grant, for joining us. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening. Have a safe and happy weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at glxyresearch. See you next week.